this entire world to where it is. And we don't see it the way God sees it. And Paul was just making mention here to the Corinthian church, don't be puffed up. Where's your mourning and weeping over sin? This idea of repentance, it's a word in our Bible and maybe not completely that we're not completely familiar with. And in its meaning and what it play what part it plays in salvation. Repentance does not save you. Faith saves you. But I believe, as a Bible believer, and I hope this church believes, this is the way we believe, that there must be repentance. There has to be a sorrow and a grief over sin. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But there's a big question mark when someone just says, I believe, without turning from their condemning sinful life. And that is why you find so many people living just the same way they did before they supposedly got saved. There's been no change. There was no repentance. Now, just what is repentance? What is the meaning of this word that Bible believers trust is essential for salvation? Well, to repent just means to feel sorrow or grief, pain, and to change one's thinking about what? About their sin. For man, it's about grief over our own sin, seeing it for what it is. Repentance is the turning. A state of repentance means you've turned. It's an about face. You know in the army, about face, and I'm not going to try one. I'll blow my knee out again or something. But you know how they turn around and... Alright, it's an about face. It's a 180. I'm going this way. I repent and go that way. It's a complete opposite. It means to do a 180. A turn. Why? Because there's been a change of attitude, a change of mind about something that you know now is is so bad. I've gone the wrong way. I want to turn now. The turning doesn't save you. Faith in Christ is what saves us. So, why do we turn though? That's our memory verse. Let's turn over there. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness. What promise is that? He's coming back. He hasn't come back yet. So they scoff and they mock. And they boast against God and they shake their fist in His face and they put the, point their finger at Him and say, see, where is He? Well, He's coming back. The only reason He waits is for more of the fish shakers, more of the scoffers to get saved. That they would see themselves for what they are and the direction they're going and repent. That's our long-suffering God. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. And, and uh, Eric, you nailed that. How can a God that's not willing any should perish already damn some to hell? Please. It's just a... Calvinism is a false doctrine. But that all men should come to what? <laughs> Repentance. A turning. It's when we finally realize and acknowledge the end of sin. When you finally see sin for what it is, what it costs our Lord to forgive us. You come to that place where you see it for what it is. It is eternal death. Eternal separation from God. That's where sin takes you. That's the end of sin. Now, in salvation, 
Repentance is a change of mind or a turning, a repenting, I use the same word, from sin and its effect on God. And then we turn to Jesus Christ. You know, once you repent, once you turn around and you're hopelessly, you see your hopelessness without God, the next thing to do, all that remains is faith. All that remains is the trust in the one that can provide you the hope of heaven. Jesus Christ. The one who, who can shine the light now into that dark heart. And think, when you come to the place and you see just how dark your heart is, that's when you, the light can shine in. That's when hopefully you'll turn and look to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And it's the same thing for Christians, by the way. Repentance. Seeing how dark your sin is. You know, it says, the Bible says, if the light that is in thee is darkness, how dark is that? When a Christian is walking away from God and doing their own thing and, and just sinning and sinning and sinning in their life with no repentance, how dark is that light that's supposed to be shining in there? It's not. Well, it's a state or condition that promotes a change or a turning. That's all it does. Away from our sin unto God. Now, as far as the argument that God doesn't change, and he repented in the Bible, God doesn't change. Well, here's what I got to say about that. You're right. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. You're right. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. In His character, in His nature, in His will, in His dealings with men, God doesn't change. But I can tell you this, if man repents, God said He would repent. He left the choice up to the man. If you repent, then I'll repent of my judgment towards you. That's not changing His will. That's not changing His nature. As much as He is holy, He's forgiving. That's our God. He's not changing. Man repents of sin. God repents of His judgment. Turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. In verse 5, Genesis 6, 5, and, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. We think it's great now. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Nothing good was in man. Absolute depravity. He still had a responsibility to trust God if he wanted to get out of his predicament. And it repented the Lord. That he had made man. Can you imagine the Lord getting to such a place where it's such grief and sorrow over his creation to see what man had done? Not what God had done. What man had done to himself. And here the Bible gives us the definition of repentance. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Imagine God grieving the way you would grieve. And think a thousand times over, you know, the grief that was in God's heart. What? Concerning man's sin. Concerning where man had found himself. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. It sorrows me. It grieves me. 
God grieved at the sin that he saw on the earth where man had finally come to. And he says, I've had enough. And God's going to have enough again someday. The ark door closed then. The ark door is going to close again. Concerning his promise of coming back, he's coming back. And that, and that age will be over. This time where you can get saved. God grieves at sin and God turned to judgment. There's no changing in God though. His nature, His purpose, His dealings were still absolutely final. Turn to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. If you find Amos, go to the right. And you'll pass by a little book, Obadiah, which will be no help to anybody searching around. <laughs> Go to the front. It's got them all listed there. <laughs> I'd rather you just have you there. Believe me, I searched around for, uh, for years looking through my Bible. Jonah, chapter 3 and in verse 8. You know, the, you know the story. God's prophet running, finally gets back. Right with God. And listen to what the king of Nineveh says. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. What are they doing? They're repenting. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? God saw their works, their repentance, the fruit of repentance, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He said that He would do unto them. And He did it not. What did God repent of the evil? Yeah, the judgment and the calamity and the course that man should have been on. God was going to repent. I mean, God was going to judge them. He wanted them back on the right course. There was going to be punishment. God said He would, what He would do to them and He did it not. But it pleased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, or displeased. Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. That never changed. And merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth, the of the evil. It grieved you to have to do that. But it was because of the way Nineveh was going. But when Nineveh repented, what did God do? He repented. He turned and said, I won't bring the judgment. Why? Because you have turned from your sin. You have repented. So God doesn't change in His nature. He's always going to be holy. He's always going to be a judge. He's always going to be forgiving and gracious and loving and kind. But He's also holy and He will judge sin. That's not going to change. There's some examples of the word repentance. Go back to Exodus chapter 13. Let me just run through these. Exodus chapter 13. Some examples of the word repent or repentance. And the Bible kind of defines the word. It really has a lot of meanings. We always read our Bible in context to understand what God is trying to tell us. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17. The children of Israel coming out. And uh, in verse 17, Exodus 13, 17, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, 
For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they turn to Egypt, return to Egypt. They weren't ready to fight any armies. Now God did back them up against the Red Sea. God did the fighting for them. But He knew that they would have run back. He didn't lead them the, the, the way that would only take in weeks or maybe a month to get into the promised land. He took them out the way He, uh, out through the desert because He knew if He took them that way that they would be, they would repent. They would turn once they saw the Philistines. They would turn away. And, uh, sometimes we do the same thing. We find ourselves in a situation that we want to turn away. That's the repenting. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't gone that way. I wish I hadn't made that decision. I'm going to turn and not make that decision again. I'm not going to go that way. Well, you know, God knows what we can handle in our life. And sometimes He doesn't allow us to go a certain way because He knows that we'll repent. And maybe not go the way we should go. You see? But we'll, we'll see some kind of calamity before us or, and we won't trust God and God, and God wants to help us. He knows what we can handle. But to turn or repent of a situation that you may find yourself in, that's the turning. That's a, that's a shade of the meaning of the word repentance. Look at Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. God knew what would happen to the Israelites if they came up against the Philistines. So he led them another way. And he does the same with us sometimes. In Numbers chapter 23 and in verse 19. This is Balaam prophesying. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make good, make it good? Well, there it is. God will do what he says he's going to do. Unless man repents of his sin. But God doesn't have to repent of sin. He's always the same in his dealings with men. God does not turn from his oaths and his promises. You can count on God always keeping his word. His will will be done. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that there, there are two immutable things. God's Word and God's character. It will not change. It cannot change. He cannot change. It is immutable. God is not like us. Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. In verse 8, you know the potter's house and the story there. I'm just picking up in verse 8. If that nation, the nation of Israel, against whom I have pronounced, turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And he's simply saying, I'll repent of the course of action that I would take, which is judgment and injury against them and calamity, misfortune, whatever way you want to say it. That is the evil that God would do. Not evil, sin, wickedness, but the course of action away from good. Like the potter making a new vessel. The first one is marred. God can make a new one. 
God can make a new one. And God made a decree to destroy and to start over. If man doesn't yield, that's what God will do. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Repentance. John the Baptist called for the people of his time to repent, to turn, and show fruit of that turning. Show fruit of their repentance. Let me see your repentance. In uh, verse 2 it says, "In saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits, meat or suitable, fit for repentance. Show me that you've turned. You've come to this baptism. Show me that you've turned. Now look, that baptism didn't save anybody, did it? John's baptism didn't save anybody. It was a baptism of repentance. It was only preparing them for who? For Jesus Christ. Even John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But get your heart right and turn to Him. Put your faith in Him. Because in verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that come after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And you can decide which one you want, the Holy Ghost or the fire. I'll take the Holy Ghost. Amen? John the Baptist preached repentance. And let me tell you this, in verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. If you're here today without Christ, and you're leaning on your church, your religion, your baptism, your good works, you're leaning on the wrong thing. Because verse 9 says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. Go ahead and stick your chest out and look how good we are. We're Abraham's seed. For I say unto you that God is able to make these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He could turn a stone into a child of Abraham. I wouldn't be leaning on my religion if I were you. You better lean on Jesus Christ. That's repentance. To look and say, you know what? I'm lost. My church can't save me. My priest can't save me. My baptism as a child couldn't save me. My good works can't save me. Mary can't save me. Only Jesus Christ can save me. And when you come to that place and see yourself a lost sinner, then you turn. And you put your faith in the only one that can save you. That's Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John preached it. Jesus preached repentance. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And in verse 3, you know about the, those who died and, and the Galileans and Pilate had mingled their blood with the sacrifices. In verse 3, so they thought these Galileans in verse 2 must be sinners above all Galileans because they suffered these things. And Jesus said, I tell you nay, that means no, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If you don't all turn from your sinful ways, you'll all perish. And in verse 5, he says the same thing. I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Verse seven, chapter 17. Turn to chapter 17 with me. 
Jesus is preaching repentance. In chapter 17, dealings between each other. Uh, look what it says here. Take heed to, the, to yourselves that thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So Gavin, come on up here. If Gavin, if Gavin, my brother of the Lord, offends me, he knows it. He said, he, he, he's come right up to me and he, he said something that offends me and then he walks away and leaves me in this, this state. Don't go sit down yet. You gotta do this 70 times 7. I don't know. And, uh, and leaves me like that. But then he turns. He turns and comes back and he says, I'm sorry. Say it. I'm sorry. There you go. You know, what am I supposed to do? Forgive him. Why? Because he's repented. But ten minutes later, he does the same thing. He calls me a name. He goes away. And I'm stuck there again in that predicament thinking, why is he doing this to me? Why is he? And I rebuke him. It even says, hey, you shouldn't be saying that. I'm a brother in the Lord. And he starts to feel grief and sorrow. And he comes back again. And he says... And I say, I forgive you. Amen. <laughs> so it could go on and on. Now you can sit down. It goes on and on and on. That's repentance. As long as he repents, I'm to forgive. You know what? As long as you repent, God will forgive. You say, God knows whether I really mean it or not. Right. God knows your heart. When you say, I repent. I repent, Lord. I won't do it again. I'm, I'm going to forsake this sin. And you have no inkling to do that. God knows that. But if you say, God, I'm going to stop this. I want to stop it. Give me every strength to stop. I don't want to do this anymore. Two months down the road, you do it. God will forgive you when you repent. God just knows whether you really mean it when you repent. Not that you're the best repenter in the world. Anybody can get on their knees and say, Lord, I repent. He says, no, you aren't. And God will get sick of that after a while. And you'll hurt your own testimony. Chapter 24. Chapter 24 and verse 47. What should we preach? Jesus preached it. John preached it. What should we preach? Verse 47. Well, verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance... And remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's what we're to preach. Repentance. Tell people just how bad their sin is. And all you can do sometimes is maybe see a contrite heart that's coming out through tears and weeping. Really, you'll see it maybe when a person says, I see it. I'm lost. I'm going to hell. I need Jesus. They're probably repenting. That's between them and God. And then you can lead them to Christ. But we're to preach repentance. Show them that sin is sinful. It's, it's wicked. It's dark. It's death. That's what sin is. We're to preach it. And then in Revelation 2.5, you remember Jesus said, do the first works and repent. He was talking to the church. He was talking to the church that had left their first love, I believe. He said, do the first works. Return unto me. Repent. And church, the church today needs to repent 
and make sure that Jesus Christ is your first love. Now, Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Let's just keep turning to the right. I have just a couple more. Acts chapter 17 and in verse 30. And the times of this ignorance, Paul said, I believe he's in Athens here, preaching, and God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Of what? Their idol worship. He said, God may have winked at it, given you a space, but now he's saying repent. There's no time to be worshiping idols. That was 2,000 years ago. Do you think he likes idol worship today? I don't think so. But for God, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. To God, time means nothing. For us, it's everything. Paul preached repentance. The Gentiles were under sin, and the Jew was under sin. Chapter 20, chapter 20 and verse 21. Chapter 20 and verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what needs to be preached today. And in Acts 8.22, Peter preached repentance. Go back to that chapter 8. Peter preached repentance to Simon the sorcerer. I'm not going to argue the point. Some, some think he was saved. Some think he was not saved. Simon the sorcerer. It said he believed. It said he was baptized. I should just leave you in the dark about what I feel. Many people have said they believe and many people have been baptized. That doesn't mean they're saved. Nevertheless, look what Peter says to him after Simon Simon um, offered money to Peter <laughs> for the power to bestow the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, I like that. Simon was a sorcerer. He said, can I have that power? I'll pay you money. That I can make people have the Holy Ghost. I can bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Peter looked right through that. And in verse 22... Uh, he says, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart might be forgiven thee. Turn around, Simon, because you're going the wrong way. Now this is a man that just got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. Anyway, what I'm saying is, Peter preached repentance. Paul pe- preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. And some say repentance is a work Therefore, not a part or needed to be needed to be saved. That re, actually repenting is is a work of the flesh, or it's your work that you're doing in order to be saved. Well, the scriptures are way too clear on this. Otherwise, Peter, Paul, and John the Baptist and, and Jesus all preached uh, salvation by works. If that be true, then Jesus Himself preached that you needed to work your way to heaven. But that's not true, because salvation is by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So, repentance is not a work. Repentance is an inner condition of change that takes place when you see your sinfulness. Your sorrow. Finally, this grief for pain. That's not a work. It happens in your heart. It takes place because of the preaching of the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit doing His work to bring about contrition in a man's life, and in a man's heart. To repent is a heartfelt response to personal sin and its effect on God, its effect on the Holy Spirit. True repentance is, 
is uh, the fruit or response of a deep personal conviction of sin. I guess I said it four different ways, the same thing. I'm trying to say the same thing. It is not a work. It will come over you as you as you are smitten by the facts of the Bible that say you're a lost sinner. And finally, it's a, it, 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 it bears on your heart. And it brings forth the fruit that is it's meant to bring forth. That is the turning. That is the realization that I am a lost person. That God is right and I am wrong. So true repentance is the fruit or the response to a deep personal conviction from the Holy Spirit. Can the Holy Spirit be resisted? Are you kidding? You know how many people have said, nah, they've, they've felt that feeling now. And they've turned from it. You've resisted the Holy Spirit. Repentance. It's a salvation without repentance, as far as I'm concerned, and I believe the Bible's concerned, is only an emotional response. Not a change of will, and it's not a change of desire. A salvation, quote, salvation, without repentance is only an emotional response. It's not a change of your will. It's not a change of your desire. It's a Judas repentance. It's a regret and a remorse. And then he went out and hung himself after he repented? He did repent. But it wasn't a repentance that brought up a deep change in his heart. He was regretful. Repentance will reveal a humbling in a person. A childlike need for God. That's what repentance will do. And anybody who's been saved here and can remember the day or the moment or the night from absolute anguish and darkness and hopelessness and shame to the time you got saved will know what I'm talking about. Will know what it means to be a child just running to Jesus. You realize that you're lost. It's like a little child in a big department store that finally realizes, where's mommy? Where's daddy? And they're crying and, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy. And they're looking. And finally they see them. And they run to them. I remember the night I got saved. Let me just tell you this, that these movies and the music, like the Passion of the Christ. How many have seen the Passion of the Christ? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be, it's okay. All right, you've seen the Passion of the Christ. I've never seen it in its entirety. I've seen bits of it. Contemporary music today sweeping the churches. Very sensual feel. It kind of leaves. Only John could tell you about all the all the the endings of songs that are kind of leave you hanging and moving you. It's like a language that speaks to you, and and the young people are drawn in. They love it. It causes a deep emotional response. I remember somebody who had seen the Passion of the Christ and they said, you should have seen him on that cross. Absolutely, I've seen him on that cross up here a thousand times. And the picture was probably worse than, than Mel Gibson could do it, I'll tell you. What I saw in my mind. But I, I totally believe that they had a, a huge emotional response, but it never stirred their will to say, I want to be saved because my sin did that. They were stirred in their heart. Oh, I can't believe what he went through. Okay, let's get another thing of popcorn. And, and contemporary music is the same. It will leave you empty at the end of the day. 
It causes a deep emotional response, but but that is that feeling is not repentance. People walk away more stirred in a carnal way, in a fleshly way, but the heart remains unchanged. Dennis Lenahan um, in uh, RU, which is now 12 Weeks to Freedom, used to say this little quote. Okay? I hope I got it right, Dennis. I wrote it down. Three men were walking on a wall, feeling, faith, and fact. When feeling took an awful fall and faith was taken back. So close was faith to feeling, he stumbled and fell too. But fact remained and pulled faith back and faith brought feeling too. All that thing is saying is, feelings don't get you saved. Facts get you saved. Faith in this book. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Not by some sensual CCM song. That's why there's churches full of people that aren't saved. I accepted Jesus. I believe in Jesus. So does the devil. And he's listening to the same music you are. And thinking you're going to heaven? No. Brother, we are saved by faith in the facts. Feelings change. But facts and the truth never change. I'm saved by faith in the facts. And by the way, the passion of the Christ and Christian contemporary music or this this contemporary music and these charismatic preachers will not be there at the judgment. You won't be able to look to them. They won't be what judges you. It'll be this book. This book will be there at the judgment. That's one of the ones that will be opened up. The Bible. So what am I saying? Well, the same way that works follow and reveal a saving faith in Jesus Christ, the works don't save you. Faith saves you. It shows you that. But the works show that a believing faith, a change. So fruit that is meat for repentance is not the repentance, but the result of repentance. The fruit of repentance just reveals the turning of the heart and mind from sin against God to faith in Jesus Christ. That grief and sorrow that people feel once they're finally realizing that their sin has cost such a high price to God that they're smitten by their own sin. And now they see themselves for what they are. Lost, wicked sinners. And that is repentance. And they turn to Jesus Christ. True repentance sets the condition for true salvation. You see? True repentance is the broken ground for the seed of faith. Now, you'd have to think back to when you got saved. Not everybody has the same level or... I don't see the heart. God's the one that sees the heart. He knew what was in your heart. He knew if that ground was breaking up. And now the seed of faith went in and it brought forth fruit. True repentance is the broken ground for the seed of faith to bring forth fruit. Let's face it, a new creature is birthed. Either you're a new creature or you're an old creature. I know I'm a new creature. God changed me. I was, re- I was born again. And there's fruit in my life that I can look to. And I love Jesus. And I love His people. And I love His book. And I love His Holy Spirit. And I love Him. And I love Him. And I love Him. And I can't get enough of Him. Now, if you're that way, 
maybe not as you know crazy as I'm being, but you can still you love Jesus. You didn't love him before you got saved. You're alive. That's why. Like Tony said about the quick under your fingernail. Now you feel sin, don't you? Hurts. So much it hurts God. Now you you know when you're hurting from sin. You can say, I've been a bad boy. You've been a bad girl. And you know it. It hurts now. As sinners, God tells us the penalty for those sins is death. And we realize that we're lost. We're in darkness. We're dead. And before we believe on the cure for the sin problem, we acknowledge our condition and desire some help. We turn from our disease of sin to the great physician. Amen. And he can heal us and forgive us. So we turn from our lost, sinful condition to the only source of life and hope, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, I remember the night vividly when I got saved. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and loneliness and shame and guilt and just about it. I don't know any of the emotions you could think of. Fear. I had great fear. I, I, I realized how dark my life was. I realized how lost I was. And uh, I realized my sin and how it affected God. And that's when I I thought how lost I was. I wasn't a little bit in darkness. I was a lot in darkness. I was lost. I knew it. And that brought fear and trembling. And I I felt that I was in such a hopeless state. uh, I didn't know what could possibly help me, except I turned to what someone had shared with me from the Bible and been witnessing to me. And that was Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. And then while we get sinners, Christ died for us. And at the moment, at that moment, I thought, somebody could love me that much, who I am, looking at myself and knowing what I was, and he loves me, I want him. And that's when I got on my knees and asked him to save me. I turned to Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins. And, and I turned to Jesus Christ. And by faith, he became my Savior that night. And I got saved. And many of you can point to the same time when, when you, were, you were born again. Now, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 11. Because I had told you, Paul, repentance by the Corinthian church because of their wrong attitude in the beginning towards this fornicator in the church. Um, Paul had to write to him. He wrote to him in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians, the first letter. Now he's writing to him again. And, uh, glad they have finally got sorrow to repentance. But what happens when you repent? Verse 11 says, For behold the selfsame thing that you sorrow after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. The repentance by the Corinthian church finally brought such a, a resolve. It's like all the stuff that was going on finally went... That's what repentance does. It calms the storm. It brings you to a place where, wow, I'm okay. I'm saved. 
Or the matter is clear. There's nothing between me and God now. There was nothing between the church and the head, Jesus Christ. And in their own lives, walking around with that spirit that was against God because they hadn't repented over something so wicked taking place in the church. It brought about a carefulness. That means a vigilance, circumspectly, watching now in their life. A carefulness to get the sin out. All this took place because of repentance by the Corinthian church. In the church as a whole, and in believers. And man, we could use a little bit of repentance in the church and in the believers. If we're harboring sin. Get the sin out. It was a clearing, a removal of the sinful ways. It started to do a cleansing through the church. The repentance out of this one matter. There was a purifying idea to it. It's liberating to repent. It frees you when you repent. Vindicated. There's an indignation or an anger and a contempt for sin. Anger, for a good reason, is good. It's good to be angry at sin. Right? Right. <laughs> All right. Be angry at sin. Your sin. Fear. A fright. Uh, can you imagine having such a fright to ever sin like that again? Some of the sins that you know you've committed. To, to ever go back to that. I'm not going back to what I was. By the grace of God. I'm not going back to where I was. To fear God and because of sin, that's a good fear. Psalm 19.9 says the fear of the Lord is clean. Clean, enduring forever. It's clean. Cleans you out. Vehement desire. There was this longing, this fervency, this passion. Repentance brings a real desire to get right with God. A zeal. A passionate response to clean up their lives. From what? Resulting from what? Repentance. This is what it did in the church. And then revenge. Can you imagine? A desire to do what is right and punish the offender in the church and get the sin out. But you do that all with the idea of trying to restore that brother back into fellowship. Not to destroy him. Let God do the destroying if he's going to do that. We want to restore him back into fellowship. A desire to do what is right and punish the offender. To get the sin out. And then finally, there's a clearing. At the end there, he says, In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. It's done. It's been tied up and it's away. It's done. It's over now. There's been an end to it. It's a clearing, a resolve to the matter. And that says no more guilt. You guys don't have to have any more guilt. You've been forgiven. You've repented. What happens if you refuse to repent? Well, you die. <laughs> you die in your sins. As I said before, that illustration, I accepted Jesus. I accepted Jesus. I understand what you mean by that. But it is not a Bible word. The Bible word is received. To me, it feels like accept Jesus. Like, let me weigh him on my scales of acceptance. Yes, he feels pretty good. Now, I, this is Jesus Christ the Lord. And I get to receive his free gift of salvation. The Bible word is to receive. Not to accept him as if I judge him. I, I need to see him for who he is. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. So this idea of I accepted Jesus, I understand. Have you repented? Do you see yourself as a lost sinner? Then receive the free gift of eternal life. 
many people, and young people too, they think they've made the decision to trust Christ. And they, all I would say to you is look at your relationship with God. Uh, young people, you say you're saved. You ought, to, you ought to have a conversation with God on your knees and ask Him. Talk to Him. Where's the fruit in your life? Was there ever a change in your life? And by the way, I'm speaking to every one of us here. Where's the change in your life? You have no love for God. You have no love for the Bible. No love for prayer. How does the person get saved, become a new creature, and not love the thing God loved? God loves. Why? How can that be? Because you never repented. You never saw yourself a sinful, dirty, wicked, rotten sinner that needed a Savior. You just wanted to accept Jesus. Well, you accepted Jesus, but you didn't get saved. Now, that's between you and God. I'm just telling you, that's what's running through the churches today, and it's called easy believism. One, two, three, pray with me. I guarantee if I, instead of going to McCroom, and I came out with the guys on Saturday down here in Ballon College, if I tried hard enough, I'd get people saved right at the door. You want to go to heaven, don't you? Sure. Well, look, just pray and ask Jesus. Just accept him. <laughs> okay, one, two, three, let's pray. And they pray, I accept Jesus. Good, you're going to heaven. Notch on my belt. Let's go to the next house. We had ten people saved. Take two of them out there and baptize them. You might as well. They're going to hell. There's no repentance. It takes time for the Holy Spirit has to do this work. There's people that are on a roller coaster ride as a Christian. They're up and they're down. They sparkle and then there's no light. They're up and down. They're like roller coasters. Something's going on. You're either backslidden, you're harboring sin in your life, or you never got saved. There's a death to look forward to if you do not repent. Eternal hellfire. But the Lord is waiting, isn't He? He waits and He waits and He waits. He's long-suffering. He bears the scoffing and the mocking and the vileness of the acts that people do and the sin of wicked little men who think they can point their finger at God. <laughs> Job 8.14 says, Whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's web. Their day's coming. It should break our hearts that there's people that think they can shake their fist at God. We know the truth. We know the difference. We know He's real. The Lord could consume every one of us with just a look, just a glance, just a thought. But He's giving space for people to repent. He patiently waits and endures thankless men and shows them nothing but goodness. Well, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. His mercy will come to an end to those who refuse His invitation. He will shut the door. At some point, He's going to shut the door and no man can open it. It's over. It's done. Time is up. There's only one thing you can do in order to make sure that you're in the ark. Repent and believe on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. I wonder, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I never want anybody to doubt their salvation. That is not my point of this. The point is, 
do you remember when you got saved? <laughs> when you were born again. I mean, it happened. And if it happened, you remember the time. You may not remember the, the day and the hour and the minute and all that, but it happened. Now here, I'm asking a simple question. If you don't remember a time when you were born again, you do not remember a time when you repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you look up at me? You're not sure you're saved. Would you just look up at me real quick? You're not sure you're saved. Christian, what about you? How's your heart? Are you right with God? Because if you aren't, the wages of sin is still death. You don't want to continue down that road, I hope. Why don't you just get right with God? We just had the Lord's table. I would think that most of us, all of us, are right with God. We confess our sins. If not, get it done. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the truth. And Father, though uh, we, we stumble sometimes and uh, trying to get the truth across and, and uh, help people believe uh, in what they should. God, I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts today as a congregation here, as a group of believers. Father, if there's one here that's not saved, God, I pray that um, they would seriously talk to someone uh, that they know is saved, believe is saved, and, and get, get, uh, get right with you and, and repent and, and be saved. Lord, all I can say is please, uh, Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do and reach into the heart. Father, we love you. Thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.